Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is part two of the first new kind of podcast of the year, Distraction Piece podcast of the year. My name is Scroobius Pip. Um, it's a fan question episode and they always end up long as fuck, don't they? Um, I've got a load of questions to get through. I got a load through a load in the first half. You heard that a while ago. I answered it literally seconds ago. Um, I've just had a swig of water. And I'm ready to crack back on. Um, so let's do it. Let's hit the uh, let's hit the intro music and 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 pay the piper with a couple of great sponsors. We've got some good sponsors again supporting us continuing this year, actually, which you'll hear now. But yeah, and you might have heard already. Anyway, let's go. Right, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, let's continue on with the distraction pieces. Fan questions, fan questions. That's that's how they do the fan questions. That's the theme tune for fan questions on the fighter and the kid with Brian Callan and Brendan Schaub, um, Evan the Body, the Beard, and Special K. I recommend that podcast. Those guys are the shit. Right, Matt Seddon. The irony of this. How do you manage your stutter whilst acting? I stuttered on your name. Do you find nervous situations make it worse and does that affect you on set? Um, I have many ways I control mine, including your tapping method, which I did a a YouTube video just called Stutter and it involves a tapping method, so check that out. Um, Yeah, man. It's been all right so far. I think with acting, there's obviously you have to learn lines and I think the process of going over something over and over again can help iron out a stutter on it because you're preparing that word. Um, when I did A Night's the Round Table, um, Guy Ritchie, legendary director, the first day I had any dialogue, we're on set, me, uh, Charlie Hunnam, Neil Maskell, um, just, yeah, just loads of, of great people. Um, my boy Fergal and loads of good people and we're we've I've learnt my lines and we get there and guys like right let's have a run through and then we run through and he's like yeah I don't know that's not feeling natural is it and we rewrite loads of it and he takes advice from all of us and and that blew me away that someone of his experience and credibility and everything was 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 is that down to earth like right let's let's spitball let's see what works so but one of the lines that we added was to started with two w words which is ones i struggle with sometimes and it was just i'll say it easily now but it's so, it's, it's something of the lines of we won't get in your way or we won't stop you but man that that fucked me up and again this is a set that's a huge set multiple cameras hundreds like probably in the background a hundred odd extras and hundreds of crew all doing amazing things people on boats are filming all sorts of shit so I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. So on that line, or when you see the film, if that line's even in it still, you will see that on that line, or I'll, I'll tell you now, on that line, I did zero acting. I wasn't thinking about acting at all. My mind was completely on managing to get the words out of my mouth. So hopefully that that works and comes across well. But yeah, it, it can be a struggle. But, you know, we'll see how it all goes. On the Barca Executioner, I can't think of any I really s- struggled with. It was all all worked and again I drilled it and they're relaxing situations if you get as soon as as, as you're on set and you get to know a few people it's not as nerve-wracking a thing so yeah good question Brendan Borea um he's got two so number one how much do you think you've changed since you have become a famous I always enjoy your anecdote about how you saved enough money to buy to get by for one year time to crack the music business and how you've always taken a salary so that you can circumvent the problems that arise from irregular income of a musician it's all handy stuff man that some people i might not know and it saves me answering but i wondered whether your political views about money e.g taxation redistribution of wealth have changed at all i'm gonna answer that one quickly because there's more no they haven't but interestingly in i don't know in a weird way um i do all right i'm not rich but i do all right i get by when things like everyone likes to let's pick Amazon and me and Itch discussed this briefly um 
everyone gets mad at Amazon because they don't pay their taxes. I'm not mad at Amazon for not paying their taxes. I'm mad at the loopholes that our government have given them to allow them to not pay their taxes. Because the fact is that when I was working in factories or when I was um, a driver's mate at delivering flour or when I was um, unloading uh, a luggage on a cruise line or on a dock, if there was any way of avoiding taxes, l- l- legally, I might add, also illegally. But, uh, you know, well, when you're starting off working and when you're coming from Essex or South London or whatever else, you, part of the game is finding ways to legally avoid paying taxes. That's just, that's part of the game. It's just, obviously, it's different when you're a, a huge company avoiding m- m- millions and millions, and that does suck, but it's the loopholes that are there that suck, rather than... I completely understand if a company had told, and Amazon aren't a British company, I believe. I believe they're American, but and it, you know, either way, the 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 people, the the powers that be, you know, if they're told, oh, you could avoid paying millions and millions, and you can just have that, then yeah, most are going to take that. But um, yeah. So anyway, that's kind of that. I really enjoyed the Killer Mike podcast, so I suppose I'm trying to open up a similar kind of conversation whilst at the same time trying to address the old age question of how fame may or may not change people. Uh, The other side of the question is whether how people have changed towards you and how easy it is to deal with the initial stage where you suddenly went from a normal guy to having a legion of fans. Um, Kind of a few interesting ones there. I still live in the same town I've lived my whole whole life. Um, That's important to me. It's not the best town. But I've to, again, I've told told this story before. Um, it's in a rough part of Essex, and you can get in some trouble. So, so, so one of the ways it's changed people's opinions to me is I get less grief for looking like a weirdo now because some people around my way will know who I am, and either have respect or just not be fucking terrorist or, or whatever you know. So that's cool. That's a nice change. But I still will get stick and. The story I've told before, I did a gig at Christmas one year, and I do these as often as I can, like when I'm I'm gigging for Robin Ince. So I'd done spoken word at a sold-out um, Shepherd's Bush Empire. So that's, I don't know, a few, four or five thousand, possibly more. It's a lot of people. And I've done spoken word, and then other people on the bill that night were like Steve Coogan and The Cure and Stuart Lee and just the most amazing people in the world. So it could be easy to start getting a big head there. I then went, I had to had to get home, so I went and got the last train home. And on the train home, I just got abused by drunks for looking like a terrorist and for being a weirdo. Um, I can't remember if that was the the night that some girls from Tilbury tried to steal my trainers and set fire to my beard. But you know, there's stuff like that that keeps you keeps you humble. And I hope I keep like that. I don't know. It's 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 impossible for the individual to really say. It's only possible for the people on the other side. I could be a, a massive, insufferable, egotistical dick, but cover it up well, or or not or not notice it myself. So who knows? But yeah, that's kind of all you've all you've done there is given me a nice compliment. Essentially, like your question is basically a compliment. So, I mean, that's a cool thing about having a following or some kind of level of fame is that people you don't know say nice shit to you. So that's, that's nice. Um, he's got another question. I'm going to be greedy and ask another question. Can we be expecting Distraction Pieces Part 2 in 2016 and or any live gigs? In 2016, uh, incredibly unlikely. I don't plan to do any live gigs at all until I've got a new record and new material to do. I want to come back with a bang. I want there to have been a gap and demand to build to to a return and i want it to be strong so yeah that's the plan travis kenny with you being a lifelong millwall and rancid fan have you ever bumped into lars Fredriksen at the den and asked him to be a guest on the podcast i have not but i don't know how regularly he gets down now i'd imagine it's not very often as he doesn't live in this country and also i don't know where he sits you see i go and i don't sit in like the posh the vip section or anything i sit in in, in West End Upper with a group of lovely chaps that are always there. Um, I don't get get down as much as I'd like either. I've been to three games this season, um, one of which was away at Southend, which was 
a hell of a game and the 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 banter and interaction between the fans was hilarious mainly hilarious to us because we are one four nil so it's always that bit funnier but yeah um i've never b- b- bumped into Lars Fredriksson yeah i'd love to have him on the podcast i'd love to have him or tim armstrong any of that crowd and i've seen punk is down with them a lot and we talk every now and then on twitter so i'd love to have any of these people on the podcast yeah that'd be awesome but i've never met i i, I have met Lars and tim but as a teenager at their gigs, as a fan, going, oh, shit, fucking hell, it's Lars Fredrickson. Ah. So, yeah, is that, is, that, is that anything resembling an answer? Lucas Wertinger. Wertinger, Wertinger. Were there really a lot of people starting to call themselves Team Free W, or did you make that one up? I didn't make it up. Um, That's love from a German listener. There weren't tons of people, but someone on Facebook mentioned it first. I'm sure if you had the time to scroll back and look through things but someone said team 3w um or team welcome 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 um or something along them lines and that just became a little gang and you've all been lovely ever since so thank you for that there's t-shirts and mugs and all sorts of stuff available in the store in the secret store that you would have heard the link to earlier rob gardner since you've done your year review before the events in december what are your thoughts on on mcgregor aldo I mean, god damn, that was amazing. McGregor's just a beast, right? All hail King Connor. It was amazing. He came in and, yeah, believe the hype, son, believe the hype. But then equally, I know it's not what you asked, but Condit Lawler. Lawler, Robbie Lawler is um, was probably the first fighter I got really into. Like, the first event I watched was I can't remember the event but it had him fighting Tiki and he knocked him out and I thought it was great so his resurgence has has been amazing and if you look at his last six fights you've got his first fight with Johnny Hendricks which got fight of the night and fight of the year you've then got his fight with Ellenberger which was decent you've got his fight with uh, Matt Brown which got fight of the night you've got his rematch with a, a, a Johnny Hendricks where he won the welterweight title then you've got that fight with Rory McDonald which got fight of the night and fight of the year and then you've got the Condit fight which was fight of the night and he's an early candidate for fight of the year so the dude is a beast and he's putting on shows so big love there also annoyed me that people were like oh, Condit was robbed there was no robbery the third round was close I understand people who feel Condit won I personally scored a Lawler as winning but I don't want to argue with anyone over that it's tough. It's it's the it's it's the effectiveness of striking. I think the stats can be deceptive. People pointed out the number of strikes that Condit uh, landed, and I get that. But also, I would point out if you if you look on the stats, his his significant strikes was only two less than his total strikes. So the, the, the way they've 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 done it on the stats. He only had two. He only landed two strikes that weren't significant. Now, I saw a lot of strikes that weren't significant that were hitting gloves that weren't really having any impact. That and I'm not hating on Condit. The dude's a beast. I'm a big fan of Condit. But I felt in the third, the significant impact and 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 punches landed came in those brief flurries from Robbie. But yeah. You can argue all day on that kind of thing. I, again, if it had gone to Condit, I wouldn't have argued with that either. But I feel that, yeah, f- for me, I'd given the third to Robbie. But it's never a robbery. If if generally everyone agrees that one fighter won two of the rounds and another fighter won the other two, then there's no chance of a robbery, really, unless the one round that you're contesting is, is, is that much of a... You know, there's knockdowns or whatever else. But everyone tended to agree that num- that rounds two and five went to Robbie and rounds one and four went to Condit. It's not a robbery. It's a close fight. Um, and I hope to see another one anyway. Ashley Leake, uh, number one, uh, what's next for your acting career? As I said, there's one thing I said in last week's, no, in the earlier one, in minutes ago, there's one thing that I've just been confirmed for this year that's going to be filming at the beginning of the year that I'm just overwhelmed by. It's working with a, one of my favourite actors ever, a, one of my favourite writers ever, a, one of my favourite directors, and one of my favourite producers. So it's just, it's nuts. Uh, again, it's a small role, but goddamn, excited to be involved. Number two, 
what's your thoughts on the raft of new UFC champions? I'm not going to just talk about MMA on the podcast, I swear, but yeah, huge. It's exciting. The turnovers have been great. Everyone's always scared that, like, I, I remember when a GSP retired and when Silver dropped off, there was this big fear that, oh, MMA's done now, the big superstars are gone. There's always new people waiting in the wings and there's always exciting fights. So it's going from strength to strength. That's all I'm going to say on it because I'm talking too much MMA. Dave McNally, would you do a run of live podcasts at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival? Potentially, but probably not. Um, But maybe. But there is another thing I'm working on that is related to that with a guy called Brian who might be listening. I'm not going to say anything on it yet because we're working a way to try and confirm something. But I watch this space. If we if we can pull it off, it's going to be pretty exciting for all of you. So yeah, watch this space. Joe Hayton, are you going to do more pissed up podcasts with your mates? Do it. They're good. Um, maybe. Who knows? That's referring again. If you didn't catch them to the the five end of year review episodes where. We started on January and worked our way through a month at a time, but also were drinking while we did so, and it ended up being five hours of of us getting progressively more drunk. I, I'd like to do it more. It's kind of it's tough because we need to have a bit of a reason, otherwise it's too risky that that uh, we might not say anything of interest to anyone. So I need to think of if if we do one again, it'll be I'll think of a, a topic or reason or some topics to go right. Let's let's have a bit of a chat. So yeah, who knows? Jeff McKay. Have you thought about decorating your beard? Right. I need to tell you some stuff here. I'm not into beards, right? I'm not I'm not into beards. I've got a beard, but I'm not into beards. I've got fingernails. I'm not into fingernails. It's just stuff. It's not a big deal to me. But people send me a lot of beard-related stuff, right? It's something I got sent a lot last year, the year before, and possibly the year before that at Christmas was beard baubles. I got sent that a lot and I didn't respond because I don't want to encourage people to send me beard shit. Then for Christmas, my gift from my goddaughter, Alola, who a lot of you have seen um, us do our days out and stuff like that with her and Juno and, and Amy. So shout out to Amy and Warren and Juno and Lola. She got me some beard baubles and she was particularly excited about it. And I was incredibly reluctant, but, you know, I'm a good godfather, so... I took a grumpy picture on Christmas Day of me with my beard baubles. And Amy, who's who's Lola's mum, runs the speech development on social media. And she asked if she could post them. And I said, no, you cannot post that picture because it's uh, it will encourage these people to send me beard-related stuff. So that picture has never seen the light of day. I might actually, I'm talking about it now. If you're listening on Acast, you might be looking at that picture because I might send it to Buddy Peace to uh, tag and upload on Acast so that you can see it. But I won't be posting it online because I don't want to encourage you people to send me beard-related stuff. I don't want to put glitter in my beard. I don't want to put baubles in my beard unless my goddaughter will get great enjoyment out of it and pleasure and laughter. I'm not into beard shit, all right? I've just got a beard. I've just got a beard. I've got hair as well. I'm not that into hair. Don't send me stuff about hair all the time just because I've got hair. Jesus Christ. But yeah, I'll try and remember to send that to Buddy. But yeah, I've not thought about decorating my beard. Jet McKay, I said Jeff. I thought he looked like a pretty young lady. And um, I was like, that's a weird that's a weird, <laughs> weird name, Jeff. Jet McKay. So next one, Phil Streeter. Although you have no plans to do any mu- new music soon, are you still writing lyrics? Again, it's, it's, it's the misconception... I'd love to release my new record next week. I've got plans to finish it soon, but it's it's when it it's when it's ready. There's no there's no time on this. It's when it's ready. It could be in two years from now. It could be in three years from now. But it's when it's ready and when it's good enough. So yeah, I am writing lyrics. Steve Round, why do you never gig in Wales? Um, fuck you, Steve Round. Um, I've gigged in Wales in Wales countless times in Swansea and Cardiff and probably one or two places, but mainly Swansea and Cardiff, more than 20 times, I'd say, over the years. Um, Constant. So you're talking nonsense, and it's super annoying. Because actually, um, Cardiff, I think in the past, has once or twice been a bit of a struggle 
uh, with ticket sales. So it's your own fault for not paying attention. A gig in Wales as much as anywhere else, uh, really. Generally on a tour, there will be a Welsh date. I think we did one tour where there wasn't a Welsh date and then we, then we did extra dates on that tour a few months later and we added one, maybe two Welsh dates. So how dare you, Steve Round? Why don't you ever come to my gigs in Wales? Um, the fact is I'm often gigging in general, so that may be your 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 confusion there. You may think, oh, I've not seen him, but it's because I'm not doing any gigs anyway. It's not a personal thing to Wales. Don't don't worry. I love you all. Tim Bevan, do you prefer the old den or the new den? That's the football grounds that Millwall play. I love the new den, man. I loved the old den. I was going there since I was f- five or six. Many beautiful memories there. But I also remember the first game at the old den against, was it against Sporting Lisbon? And it was, I believe it was on my birthday. I believe it was the 3rd of August. No, maybe it was the 4th of August, for some reason I'm thinking. But it was my birthday treat. And I'd never sat in like a two-tier stadium and we felt like we were so high up and it was amazing. But yeah, I love the new den. I love the old den. I love wherever the Millwall fans are cheering on Millwall. I love it. Um, On to the next question. Gary Thomas, what is your favourite country to perform in that's not in the UK? Why is it New Zealand? How do you know it's your favourite country when you've never performed here? Um, I've never performed in New Zealand because I've never been booked to gig in New Zealand. I don't particularly have a, f- a favourite country. I love there's there's I've had amazing shows in so many different countries. It's beautiful. Um, the question again, it's something I don't miss from touring of why have you never played here or why aren't you coming here? I don't get to choose. I don't say I'm going to go and play in. In, in New Zealand, like we need to get bookings. And to be honest, we need to be of a size that that, that warrants the bookings that we would need. Uh, we're not on a major label, or I'm not on a major label. So, I'm so, so long in my career, it's been um, me and Dan, and we've never done New Zealand. But we're not on, we were never on a major label. Therefore, we can't go and lose tons of money somewhere because we've not got that money. So, the weird part is we need to get big enough to be able to demand a fee that's big enough that covers flights and all these other things that are expensive in touring abroad. It's way cheaper to tour in England, like not having flights. It's why we did a few tours of America and then haven't done any since because it's, you know, it's a tough balance. Um, I plan to come back to America with the solo stuff. I plan to hit Australia and New Zealand and Japan and all these places, but it's, it's, it's if the bookings come in, man. So, I mean, the short part there... What I've been unintentionally done is pointed out that if we have the fan base and crowd out there, then it's more viable. So what you can do to get us out there is spread the word and get people listening and build that fan base and build that demand. So so when the time comes to tour, there's promoters that go, right, actually, shit, these guys are, are known. They've got, they're going to pull a crowd. Then we could afford to pay them to come over here and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Christy Harmon. Did you write Last Train Home on The Last Train Home? I did indeed. Um, or I wrote a lot of it on The Last Train Home or Experience in The Last Train Home or After The Last Train Home. I intentionally did a few runs because I don't actually go out that much or socialise that much. I've kind of stopped dr- dr- drinking other than at the club night now. Um, but but that wasn't the case at this point, at the point of that song. I did a few things where I'd get the train just to Fenchurch Street just in time to get The Last Train Home just so I could be surrounded by it all and the mayhem and the horror. And I would sit there with headphones on just to try and avoid any grief, but with no music playing. So I'd just be listening to all the all the, all the the mayhem going on, all the rowdiness. The last train home from London to Essex on a Friday, a Thursday or Friday, is a goddamn mess. So, yeah, I did that a few times. I like to research these things. So, yeah, that was that. A Wayne Outram. Top three films of last year and why. Right. Good question. I did my top, like, I posted my top something like 8 or 16 or something like that. Um, I'd say my top three, Tangerine, it blew me away. People, there was a lot of hype made about the fact it, sh- it shot on iPhones. That's that's a footnote. It's a footnote. The thing that makes the film amazing, the c- cinematography is awesome, but the characters and the story and just something are so engaging or mainly just the characters the characters are so engaging and so amazing and it's a christmas film which is weird um but yeah absolutely amazing i love tangerine um then i would also go for girl walks home alone at night that blew me away absolutely adored it 
yeah, just fantastic, just beautifully shot, not boring at all. I was speaking to to Brett Goldstein the other day as we were filming a new Corner Boys, more Corner Boys to come, Corner Boys 4, and he was saying, oh, is it going to bore me? That's what he sounds like. Oh, oh Pip, is it going to... That's not what he sounds like at all. Can't do any, any impressions. Um... But it's brilliant. I loved it. And my third favourite film of the year, I would say, speaking of Brett, is Super Bob. And that, that's not just because I mentioned Brett, but that was genuinely, I'd say, my, in, not third favourite, but in my top three. I've not ranked them. I've just just listed them. There was a lot I loved. I loved Jurassic World. I loved um, just a, a Mad Max, Ant-Man, all these things. But top three, Tangerine, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Super Bob and Super Bob just blew me away because it was that worry that it's people I know are involved in it and if it's shit it's going to be awkward but it was they absolutely nailed the I don't know it's so hard to do good comedy without being incredibly cynical and they kind of nailed that um and if you don't know Super Bob is a British superhero film and yeah it's brilliant I recommend you buy all of those films in fact purely by chance I've picked three films that are independent so it makes a difference if you buy these films or rent these films rather than illegally downloading them or or whatever you might often do obviously i'm personally i'm not into that myself anyway but with films like this it really it's a big deal to me so if you're going to watch them do so legally (laughs) so that that they can get the love if they're free on you know, on Netflix or on Sky or whatever else, then do that. If you have to pay, then pay. These people have put years of their their lives into making this, and it's worth the the, the few quid that it adds up to. Um, oh, hello, Christopher Glasson. Can I have a, a little kissy, please? Um, no, you cannot. Um, that's Christopher Glasson, who was. I seem like these are just adverts for the end of year podcast. Chris was 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 one of my two guests, along with Stuart Whiffin, on the end of year podcasts. Um, yeah, but he's asked for a kiss, and he definitely can't have one because he's gross. He gave me a Christmas present that was it, that was. It turns out meant to be opened on the podcast, and instead he forgot because he was hammered. So I opened it on Christmas Day. It was the first present I opened on Christmas Day. And it was a little, a, a little resealable bag, just of his beard, which he'd cut off um, a little bit before, and kept it and popped it in a bag for me to have. E- easily the worst present I've ever received. Um, his beard was barely a beard anyway. You know, he's a little, he's got he's got little boy jeans, but yeah, it was awful. Um, next question: Hannah Courtney Bone. Hi, Pip. Many of the questions I would like to ask are already here. I have suggestions for possible podcast guests, the great uh, Robert Smith. I think you'd like chatting to him for 90 minutes. Yeah, I would. If you could hook that up, I'm down. That'd be great. Um, I've just just, just realised I've actually now gone out of the ones I'd liked and put aside specifically to answer. So I can't promise the quality of these next ones will, will, will be any good because I've not screened them. For example, that that wasn't a bad question, Hannah. I'm not having a go, but that wasn't wasn't a question didn't really need to be read out i could have just read that taken it in just taken in 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 my little head again it's weird where people requesting guests because they again it's the illusion that i've somehow got anyone who does the booking for me or some endless list of um of contacts i generally have to go for people i already know in some way or have some kind of contact with i'd love to get robert smith i could maybe ask robin ince to hook me up with him in fact, I asked him before and it didn't really happen. But yeah, who knows? I'd love that. Lee Hickman. All right, Pip. Hope you're well, mate. My question to you would be, if you could ask anyone one question, who would it be and what would you ask them? Top pot fella. Keep up the good work. Um, You see, it's questions. I like this. I wish I'd prepared something for because I don't really know. Oh God, it's going to go downhill here. I've I've extended the podcast into two parts. I've got halfway through the second part, and now I'm out of the pre-vetted questions, which you know, because I pre-vetted them, it's probably going to be a not a prepared answer. But I know I can talk on the subject. I don't know what to say about this, so I'm going to drink some some water instead. And my stomach made a little noise there. I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, I don't know what question I'd ask someone, dude, or who. Yeah, sorry. 
<laughs> this is going downhill. Anthony Young. Hi, Pip. I've just been thinking about the line in Thou Shout where you talk about the four elements. You have represented DJs and MCs really well on the podcast. Any chance of getting some writers and b-boys on board? I know that your artistic output is much more visual, however, ACAS, etc. would it address that nicely. Also, I think there would be a show how the whole hip-hop culture still lives and breathes. Um, interesting one there, because on the writer's front, I used to do a lot of street art, so although I don't talk about it much, um, I was a stencil artist, and I've got that in there. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't really know any b-boys, and to be honest, I don't know how much I'd have to say to a break, even the best break dancer in the world. I don't know how much of a conversation we'd have. Um, writers, I mean, I'd put that down as artists in general. I hope to have Riker on soon. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Riker. He's an amazing artist. I've got a lot of his work. His work sells for, for tens of thousands of pounds at times. Um, in fact, if he's listening, I'm going to make a little announcement now, which I shouldn't I shouldn't be making because it's not ready yet. But me and Riker soon are going to be releasing, because he makes a lot of art toys as well, and he's got these amazing... He does these stormtroopers on a cross, which I've got. Hopefully we can add a picture of that on Acast, as mentioned there. But yeah, he's really good. But we have been working on a Scroobius Pip art toy. And yeah, I shouldn't mention it because it's not ready yet. But yeah, that's on its way. So hopefully I'll have Riker on the podcast soon. And hopefully we'll have a limited run of these Scroobius Pip toys. Um, so I'll have my own action figure. How cool is that? So a limited run of these 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 Pip toys. Um, yeah. That'd be pretty cool, but yeah, I don't know what I'd say to a a, a break dancer. I mean, I'd I'd like uh, we'd have a good conversation in normal life, but I don't know if we'd have a sixty to ninety minute um, chat on here. Claire Donahue, this question isn't as insightful as other questions from the wonderful peeps on here, but I always ask this question when I first speak of to people: Is the glass half full or half empty in your eyes, Pip? Um, Obviously, that's a question, a saying that's used a lot. I've never given a shit, really, if my glass is half full or half empty. Um, I've got taps, you know. I just, I, I plan if my glass is ever either half full or half empty, I plan on filling it up again anyway, or finishing it. And I mean that in a literal sense and in a deeper, a philosophical sense. Um, you could spend all day considering whether your cup's half full or half empty, or you could be doing what you can to refill that cup. Deep, right? Deep. You're welcome. Rich Hines. Hopefully, hi, Pip. Hopefully an easy one. But having listened to several guests on your podcast, I perhaps wasn't keen on... How dare you? But by the end, saw them in a totally different light. That's better, beautiful um in one case have since become quite a fan who surprised you the most on the podcast and who wasn't anything I like you expected um that's a tough one because a lot of the people I've had on I've known you know um or at least in some way a Christian Jericho was a brilliant surprise I'd never met him and he was absolutely engaging and really interesting to talk about things other than wrestling just anything and he stayed a lovely guy we talk every now and then we text every now and then he's a he's a really lovely dude so that was a nice surprise i know what you mean on the on the b on one over um of the first four there was a lot of love and excitement for alan moore for brand and zane lowe was the one that i was possibly most excited about because i knew there were a lot of people who were haters on zane but if you just listen to him for a bit you can't hate him. You don't have to be into his his shit, I guess, but he's such a he's just a dude that loves music and he's passionate about what he does and puts in so much work and effort. And that was one that was great cuz I got more more messages from people saying, "You know what? Fair play. I didn't like Zane, but I fair play more than people going, "Oh, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Zane. It's great to hear him." You know, so that was a cool one. The Preston one was good in that in in that sense. A lot of people were, were wanting to hate on Preston or had an opinion built on Preston via uh, the media or whatever. And turns out he's a lovely dude, so that was nice. And he was another one I'd not met before, and he's a lovely guy. Again, we've kept in touch. Good dude. Um, so ones that surprised me, yeah, I think that's about it. Really, I, th- I think they've all been 
all been really good fun. And there's not been that many that I didn't know in some way beforehand. So I'm trying to think of any. The Gareth Porter one was a huge surprise. I mean, obviously I knew, I chatted to Gail a bit online. I'd met her at the Edinburgh Fringe. She's lovely. But I didn't know how amazing that podcast was going to be. And that's, if I had to pick one, probably part two of that may be my favourite to date part one and part two really but part two of that just because it got so deep and dark but in an honest and open way and in a positive way and it was yeah it was amazing it was hugely exciting but then equally the ones i've finished and felt wow we've had something special there is one that's been mentioned already by a few people the killer mike podcast because he's such a good talker and the akala one as well and the refugee special all three of them these discussions you sit down you don't know what it's going to be and at the end i felt and not particularly through any influence of my own, I felt, damn, we've had an important conversation here. I happen to have been on on, on one side of it, or, or guiding it along at least. But yeah, that's that. Ian Kerrigan. Um, God, that's an awful question. Just just not going to go for that. I don't... I don't no, I don't... I, just no, Ian. Just no. Just no. I'm not even going to tell you people what that question is, but I've got no answer to it. Andrew Barnett. I really enjoy writing and love independent music, especially hip-hop. And I've been trying to trying for a little while now to get some tracks together. Would you have any advice for an independent solo artist that struggles with confidence that would love to perform? It'd be great to get some experience... Great for someone with experience to advise and maybe highlight some of the struggles you yourself had to combat to get to where you are today. Then b- b- below, Jason Nelson has said, Pip, I'll answer this one for you, sir. Just get out there and do it. Um, yeah, that's Jason has heard me say this before, I feel. Um, yeah, it's completely that. It's a case of, of getting out there. What I did was... I, I toured about in my van a bit, just performing on street corners, but I've told that story a million times. But also, I would just hit as many open um, mics as I could because it's, it's just practice, it's getting out there. And I I don't know, You, m- my feeling sh- is that you should be excited to be getting t- t- to perform it. And that was always my thing. I'd worked so, other than the first couple of street corner gigs where I was really nervous, after that, I knew I'd worked hard on this and I knew I was pleased with what I'd done. So the getting to perform it was an exciting part. It wasn't a nervous thing. So, yeah, I hope that kind of gives a bit of an answer. James Barber. On your birthday special, your mum mentioned that her family were from Beckenham. Um, my question is, have you ever been to Beckenham, or what do you think of it? Personally, I think it's the best place in the world, but I'm slightly biased. I love Beckenham, mate. Yeah, obviously my mum grew up there, and my nan continue to live there um until she passed so i've always gone to beckenham a lot my uncle rob still lives there um who i'm a big fan of and my brother dog sits for every now and then kelsey park is my favorite park in london possibly in the world i love that they've got the friendliest squirrels ever and i believe the reason for that is they have the park divided on one side of the lake is dogs allowed and the other side is no dogs allowed and it always makes me laugh as well on the side that's no dogs allowed because there's houses that back onto it. You'll often see cats just bowling about, just chilling in the park, being like, yeah, dogs can't come in here. I'm just chilling. I'm having some fun. So, yeah, big fan of Beckenham, my friend. I've never really had nights out there. I've only ever gone there for family stuff. I've been to the, the cinema there, the Odeon, is it, on the corner? Or Empire? I think it's an Odeon. And that was cool been to a lot of the different pubs and restaurants there for food but always family stuff so yeah i like beckenham big shout out to beckenham greg sutton first off great work on the podcast pip i'm glad you started with that greg my question if you could choose any who would you choose to play butcher and mother's milk in the series of the boys um damn now anyone who's not aware of this the boys is um is my favourite comic book of all time. Um, it's written by Garth Ennis, who's a previous podcast guest. Now, Garth Ennis, his other amazing book was called, or, or one of his other amazing books was called Preacher. 
That's recently been made into a TV series starring Joseph Gilgan, um, who's going to be on the podcast at some point. And it was made by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, which is hugely exciting because I think it's in safe hands with those guys because they're really into it. Now, apparently, they have now acquired the rights for the boys and are shopping it about. For playing the butcher, I'm going to basically say I would give anything to be involved in that film in any way. So I don't want to suggest to anyone. I don't know. I probably couldn't couldn't be the butcher. I'd, I'd shave my beard off. Um, I'm tall. He was tall. I'm from Essex, London. He was from that area. I'm probably not bulky enough. I can bulk up. I work out every day. You know, I'm in, I'm in, in better shape than a lot of you know. So, but yeah, I don't know who would play. I don't know who would be good as the Hardy. Hardy would probably be amazing as Butcher, wouldn't he? Tom Hardy, Thomas Hardy. Um, and Mother's Milk. Personally, I think Quentin Jackson, this guy said. Um, yeah, Quentin Jackson would be good. I don't know. It's tough because he played Mr. T already. And I don't relate Mr. T at all. Or that's all I've really seen Quentin Jackson play. And I don't relate Mr. T at all to Mother's Milk. He's more of a intelligent um, gent. So... You know what? I wouldn't be mad at Forrest Whitaker. Obviously, that's incredibly unlikely and un, 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 yeah, improbable, but I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Um, big, bulky Americans. Yeah, I don't I don't know on Mother's Milk, really. That's a, that's a tough one. Right, but that's my kind of half answer on that. Let's try and get a couple more in. Tom Jackson, I remember you saying that you used to play in bands when you were younger and it wasn't really for you. Apologies if I'm wrong. I just wondered now that you've got where you got to in your solo projects and with Dan, would you ever consider working on a record with a band or maybe starting your own? Um, I mean, the distraction pieces, we toured with our live band. A lot of it was written with... All of it had drums and guitars and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's kind of my solo stuff is generally with a band. I've no real desires to start another band. I've had a side project with a Wolgie, um, who wrote a lot on distraction pieces that was called Meet Here Every Tuesday, which we never recorded anything. But that was more of a kind of hardcore, um, heavy, shouty thing. And we just met up and did some practice sessions and wrote four or five songs, but that's never we've never done anything with them or got them right. But that was with me playing a bit of bass, and shouting a bit along with a woogie shouting a bit and i think we had two different drummers over the time no i think it was always just ash or was it ash i don't know but yeah that was that but yeah i've got i've not particularly got any plans to start a band now or or, or join a band i enjoyed being in bands they were good fun it's a laugh i was in a band called lardas i was in a covers band called royston iller and the motherfucking posers Shout out to Ross, Henley, Mitch, Gareth, all of that crew. Next question. I'm having to read them a little bit now to see if there's good bits in there, if I'm just answering the same questions. Liam McShane. You might have already asked, been asked this, but I've only watched, only just watched Words. Which is my Edinburgh Fringe show? How did the experience of performing in Edinburgh differ from pieces that you'd done before with Dan or on your solo records? Um, did you feel like pieces such as Introduction, Try Dying and Terminal changed over the Edinburgh run and influenced how you performed them afterwards? Also, how many times did people start trying to sing along? Um, Edinburgh Fringe was, from beginning to end, was a, a, one of, of my favourite experiences. I was incredibly l- lucky that we had 19 sold-out shows and that the reviews were all four- and five-star reviews and it went down a treat. And I just I loved preparing it and it definitely influenced... Mine and Dan's final tour that came after that because the fringe it was a chance, it wasn't a gig, it was a show. And I'll explain that a little bit. Or if you watch it, you'll kind of get that. But it all kind of it wasn't here's a song, here's the applause, here's another song. It all kind of tied together and it all I'd thought out the positioning of it that bit more and the 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 flow of it all. Um, and I loved it and it really doing it all in one room in the same room every night so with the same lighting with the same sound it really meant you could really focus on the nuances of the performance rather than you're in a new venue every night it's different blah 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 so yeah it really got me I felt it improved me hugely as a performer so that when me and Dan 
dead our last tour and we added Oli, our lighting guy, and we had Oli, our tour manager, and Chris, our sound man. We had, had such a good team that could put on, put together a real show. And it, yeah, it was so exciting to be a part of that it felt like, wow, this isn't just a gig. You know, this is a show. This is a show right here. So, yeah, that was cool. What time are we on? I can fit a few more in. We can do another 10 minutes or so. I'm, I'm, I'm not losing my voice that much. Dave Smallcalder, what did it take for you to go all out and get where you are now? I know you've spoken about working in HMV and saying to do an album and saving to do an album and basically uh, living out the back of a car whilst performing in city centres and outside gigs. But when did you know or at least believe you were going to go for it? Was there a time of self-doubt? How did you push through this? Right, um, the kind of, I didn't know I was going to be successful at it, but it was one of them, it's like, right, I need to find out. I'd been kind of, I'd been working on a record whilst working in a record store for years, and I kind of decided, right, either I need to just put myself 100% into, into working in retail, which again, I think is fine, I really enjoyed working in retail, or I need to put myself 100% into working in music. And I can't just keep being like having a, f- a foot in both in, in 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 both worlds. So I went right. I've saved up enough now. Like it was literally a, a, f- a five six grand. I've saved up enough now to live for a year. I'm going to try doing music f- full time for a year. It doesn't work. I'll go back to uh, to H and V and put 100 percent into that. And almost a year t- to the day is is when Thou Shout came out and got in the top forty. So I've not had to go back yet. On to the next one. Neil Pike, what do you think of the current rise of British wrestlers and British wrestling promotions? And have you thought of getting any of the progress management on the podcast? I'd love to, to, to talk to as someone behind progress. I think it's exciting. And I think, again, it's another thing that would be interesting to wrestling fans and non-wrestling fans. Um, there's also the one in Glasgow. What the hell is it called? Insane ICW. I think they're doing some amazing stuff. There was a great BBC documentary on them and the dude who set it all up and runs it seems absolutely fucking mental but again i think they're doing great and exciting stuff and it's good it's it's funny that um simon cow has recently said that he's interested in starting a uk wrestling company and that sounds odd but the fact is in america there are a few things bigger than the wwe and they have their ups and downs and they're on a bit of a down uh viewing figures wise at the moment i think but still they're huge and consistently huge for years and years and years so it's logical that someone like simon cowell will go all right why haven't we got anything like that on saturday night over here or on on, on whatever night anymore so yeah interesting but but yeah i would definitely have someone from the progress guys or someone from uh icw on to talk about the business just i'm just i'm getting a lot of questions now which is similar miles hunt said or that i've kind of answered having seen that you've worked with nine inch nails and done a podcast with frank carter in the past what's the likelihood of us hearing you do punk rock or something like that from yourself not saying that your hip-hop isn't pretty damn punk rock yeah again i'm more more excited about just just making the music that comes out rather than thinking oh i'm gonna do a punk record now or a hip-hop record now it's kind of trying not to think too much along them lines so i'm gonna just keep doing what i'm doing gavin lloyd i found a you you and mike skinner discussing grime really interesting on the podcast you did with him what are your personal thoughts feelings towards the genre i think it's exciting i think it's blowing up and i think it's about time i got some some grime mcs on here i'd love to have have lady alicia on because she's just been smashing it lately and we've chatted a few times on Twitter, but I've not really hit her up for the podcast. That'd be great. Um, she's got to be one of the artists of the year. But then equally, JME or Skepta, Kano. I'd love to have Kano on. I've spoken to that. Or I've been a fan of that guy for years. I think he's been the top of the game for years. Gets, I think, is blowing up even more and more. And he's just, he's beautifully feet in all camps. He kind of seems to sit in the old school camp, but also be a rising star. So, yeah, mad respect for Gets bonkers as i mentioned on the podcast before amazing year for bonkers yeah there's loads of people i'd like to have on and i'm feeling it i think there's some exciting noise coming out of the grime scene conrad buck how do you feel about hipsters and cool kids copying your beard do you feel judged by non-bearded people and fear they will 
think you're just trying to be trendy. Thankfully, Conrad, I don't leave the house much, so I don't have to worry about such things. My look was out of fashion for a long time, and it will go back out again soon, so don't worry too much about that, dear. Um, Dave Lacey, hey, Pip. A long-time listener, first time posting. My question is, I find it hard to get into reading a book or want to get into comics. Is there any you recommend to start me on? Um, There's loads, but then I also recommend reading books too because books are really good and I think you should persist with them. I think it's increasingly hard to read books now because of the way uh, society changes. I was never a massive reader as a kid. Let's get that out of the way. And I'm not a massive reader now, but I try and and force a book on myself every now and then. But on on comic books, let's go on that. I read a a lot more of them, I'm not going to lie. The Boys, as I mentioned, and Preacher are both amazing. A Watchman is quite rightfully a legendary book, so I'd recommend A Watchman. I'm loving The Wicked and the Divine. I'm loving Uber at the moment. A lot of Kieran Gillen, um, I'm feeling Uber's great. But The Wicked and the Divine was was possibly my, my comic book of last year. I really enjoyed just thinking of series that you can get really into which there's a few there preacher i've mentioned transmetropolitan god damn how could you not in fact i'm sitting next to loads of my comics let's sit up and have a bit of a look east of east of west is amazing nightly news was was one of my absolute favorites of all time as a one-off piece saga is as dope as everyone says um say i'm in my independence section crossed is good i've got an independence section over this side of the room and over the other side is all the marvel and dc you see so just smash for it i like everything that mark miller writes i know people kind of say that he now writes more just to make a film but i thought nemesis was fantastic i can't wait to if that makes a film that'll be amazing um obviously kick-ass superior i really enjoyed i thought that was great And, and the marvelous oven was one that came out last year that I was one of the judges on the British Comic Awards and that was one of the comics we judged and that actually won and I thought it was fantastic. Also, um, what was it called? Super Crash was fantastic. There's loads. There's loads of good comics. I've listed a ton there. There's too many, to be honest, I've listed. I'm really enjoying this, the the new um, Darth Vader ones. They're pretty dope. There's these new yeah, a new series of Darth Vader comics. So check it out. George Michael saved my life. Ace of Base rules. A menudo for life. That's that's all comments from Silas Osborne. Thanks for thanks for that. That's a good good questions. Who's your pick for the Royal Rumble this year? There's been a lot of on previous ones. There's been a lot of um, MMA, and on these ones, there's been a lot of wrestling. As said, my dream my dream would be for Cesaro to come back and win the Rumble come back from injury because he's so over man he's so over and so unutilized um but i can't see it happening so brock maybe if brock enters it but again this weird thing with the belt being on the line anyway i've talked too much about wrestling already uh, when are you coming back to edinburgh from thingamy bob hollingsworth i don't know I've got no plans if i come to edinburgh this year it'll probably be as a fan because i love me some comedy and some live stand-up i recently saw the works in progress of, of Simon Amstel, which was great, and Ramesh Ranganathan, which was one of the best things I've ever seen. It was a work in progress, and it was amazing. So when he's doing his full tour, god damn, you need to catch that. It's amazing. Also, he's got a podcast on its way that's going to be starting soon. So, yeah, keep an eye on Ramesh in general. He's he's the boss. If you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Obviously, it'd be pizza. Because there's so much variation within that meal. You can put anything on a pizza. Um, That was from Abigail Attenborough. Peter Craggs. After the Ecotricity podcast, have you made any changes to your your lifestyle? I've changed over to Ecotricity, for starters. My gas and electricity. And it literally took me under five minutes. So yeah, other than that, I didn't... I've not particularly felt any changes needed. I've changed my exercise a regime and schedule in the new year but that's not of interest and i had nothing to do with that podcast that was all to do with the homie sam i'm trying to find another good one to 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 end on um another question of sir if you could be a one character from the boys who would it be that's from andrew lord so clearly if seth and evan are listening clearly the people want me to be in the boys so when you're making that tv series and you're casting just just holler at your boy 
just holler at Scroobius Pip from Stanfield Opestics. I can be more. I can be more Cockney, like because the I, I got the impression. Obviously, the way it was, it was written, the butcher was a bit, bit of a fucking geezer. Call people a cunt all the time. Do a rich s brown dude a what do you sometimes wear a watch on each wrist is it for extra phone number storage i always wear a watch on each wrist and there's no good reason or answer so i'm not finding any good questions to end on am i let's end on this one which simon whiteside evening pip which visual artists do you like and inspire you fine and graphic artists um there's loads i really like Daido Moriyami as a photographer. Um, I, my brother often takes me to exhibitions or recommends exhibitions, and they blow me away. And I can always, always struggle to remember the names of them. Um, so that's a tough one to really answer. But there's a lot of people I've pushed a lot on Instagram and love on Instagram, um, and have enjoyed their art for a long time. So possibly rather than going the fine art um, or the graphic and novel route, I mean, it's all about a Jamie McKelvey I don't know if that's how you pronounce but yeah that guy um and there's loads of good ones but um obviously I've hyped for a long time Mr Heggy um he does a lot of the artwork for speech development but I've been a fan of him I was a fan of him before we worked together he's tattooed me he's tattooed my leg he's put his art on my leg um so Heggy Riker would say is someone I've I've raved about a lot on Instagram and enjoyed a lot of his work. Um, Paul Jackson is on Instagram. I've raved about his work. He did the Repent, Replenish, Repeat artwork. Francesca Burr is someone who I've raved about a lot and enjoyed a lot of her work on Instagram. Yeah, there's loads of really talented, talented artists out there. Is there anyone else that I've noticed recently or anyone new that's getting me excited i've been following a lot of photographers recently but they're all quite yeah i don't know that's probably about it right that's a good good a good run of, of recommends there i think that's the end of the podcast i think that's the end of two parts so we've done two fan questions ones N- next week i don't know who we're gonna have quite frankly um <laughs> i said when you're hearing this this week i should be recording one with one of the guys that worked on a great documentary about the legalisation of, or the reason certain drugs aren't legal and why they should be. That's on Netflix. Um, But also he's he's one of the campaigners that are going to be in Parliament soon. I'm hoping to go along with them to see the debate on uh, the changing of the laws in this country with regards to recreational drugs. Um, So that's exciting. Also should be getting Robin Ince in this week and hopefully Joseph Gilgan, so these should all be over the next few weeks. And Stephen Graham, um, yeah, and and Zoe Ashton, yeah. So loads of good ones to come. Distraction pieces ain't slowing down, my fucker. Um, thank you for tuning in. Please share and like and subscribe. Um, if you want to, I'm going to, hang on, where's my phone? I'm, I'm laying down now, that's how this has gone. I was preparing some pictures earlier, which I will have posted, but it made me, go through some of my favourites just ones you may or may not have listened to so I'm going to run through a little list of some of the guests that we've had on the Distraction Pieces podcast I'm going to start with some British musicians I'm going to go with Billy Bragg Itch from King Blues Frank Carter Frank Turner Kate Tempest Roots Maneuver Mike Skinner and Akala and then I'm going to go for some British stand-ups so we've had Stuart Lee, we've had Russell Brand, we've had Ramesh Ranganathan, we've had Josie Long, we've had Sarah Pascoe, we've had Rufus Hound, we've had Adam Buxton, we've had Richard Herring, and I'm going to be on his podcast um, soon as well. So on Richard Herring's podcast and on Chris Jericho's podcast. Speaking of Jericho, let's go for some Americans. We've had Chris Jericho, we've had Kurt Sutter, Amanda Palmer, uh, Wes Borland, B. Dolan, Sage Francis, P.O.S., Dessa, Killer Mike... Tons of good people. Actors. We've had Riz Ahmed, who's just been confirmed in the next Star Wars film. Generally amazing actor. We've had Simon Pegg. We've had um, Andrew Shim, Michael Smiley, Neil Maskell, Brett Goldstein, Nick Frost, Paddy Considine. We've had so many good people. It's unbelievable. Um, So, yeah, that's just me saying there's loads that, if you haven't listened to, you maybe could listen to. 
Thank you for tuning in, guys. I'm kind of a bit delirious because I've just been talking to myself for two hours. <sighs> Thank you for tuning in. I will catch you all next week. Same pip time, same pip channel. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Scrooge Pit's Discretion Pieces.